0: On a side note, your hair does look good like that.
1: Oh, thank you. I when, appreciate that. When did you get it cut? Sarah and Chris cut it two
0: oh, weeks didn't ago. Did you get that done at a salon? No. Sarah oh, and okay,
1: Chris like did.
0: did. This. It looks good. Thank you. How long did it take?
1: Like a half hour, forty five minutes, maybe. That's not bad. No. It was mostly clippers, so. I was gonna say, it have you ever done
0: like a like a crew cut?
1: i've never done a crew cut i don't think i would want to Why? that's a little short for me i think why because it's just it's so square and it, like mm. i have this one patch here that's getting a little thin
0: mm. so it's my whole head <laughs> my whole head is getting a bit thin <laughs> It is mini, mini microsode uh, number 30-something, th- th- I believe. 30-something. It, yeah. It's exactly your age. Thank you. 30-something. <laughs> yes. 34? 30- yes. Four. Yes. four 34. 34. I actually think this might be 34. <laughs> it's close. It's either like 33. It's 32 to 35. It's somewhere in it's there. It's
1: somewhere in that. Th- those lovely middle... Middle 30s in there.
0: <laughs> and it is The Haunting of Hill House. I'm actually very sad because this is our last Haunting of Hill House. We've been reviewing these episodes for uh 14 months. <laughs> it definitely feels... Like- <laughs> it's so bizarre because it really feels like we've been doing this for a lot longer than we Yeah, have. I
1: know. I watched the episode today and I'm like, oh, right. There's nothing after this <laughs> like, <laughs> like i'm not going to get to watch this next week because it's kind of
0: weird i know there's only 10 episodes
1: i know it's kind of sad
0: but the good news is now that we're done with the haunting of hill house next week we can add the jingle bells again oh, <laughs> <laughs> you should have at seen least homepage. until
1: after halloween just 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 hold I out know, until november 1st for me that's all what i if,
0: ask what if i put like Like weird reverb on them so they sound a little bit spooky, like ghostly jingle bells.
1: Why why not just do that for the Christmas season? You don't need to do it for Halloween. No. Christmas, (laughs) Christmas has already begun to creep. I I don't need it in October. I don't need it in August.
0: I know. I got into a, a disagreement the other day because I was like, I said something on Facebook. I was like, I I posted a picture of my new candle, the one that is burning right here right now, called <laughs> Autumn Leaves by Yankee Candle. And again, not and it smells for lovely. That. It's great, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It really does have like kind of a an autumnal smell to mm-hmm. it. Um, but I posted it and I I just put it with the caption, "It is time." Uh, oh no I said and so it begins and someone was like absolutely not it's not even September and I was like who fucking cares (laughs) why do we care it's not September are they not aware that we're skipping the rest of summer Uh, yeah like who the fuck wants the rest of August anyway? All it is is crack sweat. That's all <laughs> August is. There's nothing to celebrate It It's like August. crack
1: sweat and like
0: tropical storms. Like, that's, that's it. It's like, and the uh, tropical storms are in my panties. That's the only... Every time I fart, there's a tropical storm because it's so gross. I hope this is as good for everyone listening as it is for me. They're like, oh my God, this is disgusting.
1: <laughs> They're like, oh my God, get to the episode. Please get to the episode. <laughs>
0: They're like we are absolutely done, <laughs> but it is. This is our mini, mini, microsode. This is. Oh, by the way, this is my spooky gay family. Right. If yes, you didn't yeah. know,
1: <laughs> in case you clicked on just a random icon in your podcast list,
0: <laughs> they're like, wait, this isn't "Kill Me Now" by Judy Gold, <laughs> which is a great podcast. If you're not listening, you absolutely should. Have you Ding. listened to it? I'm going to start dinging every time we plug something that we're not. She getting paid dings to plug. on her podcast. <laughs> she well, she it's on hers. It's a Jew Bell. <laughs> yes, we've been over. <laughs> She does she has a Jew bell, and it's to remind people of like all of the cultural um uh what's the word I'm looking for all Influences. Th- influences that Jewish people have made to the world, so every time she mentions something that's Jewish, she rings the Jew bell, and uh, it's great if you haven't listened to it, it's really excellent, and you should also speaking of Judy gold, I've been listening to her new audiobook, which is really good. It's called yes, I can say that um <laughs> and it's basically about how how comedy should should navigate our our current culture in terms of okay. political correctness and it is not i want to say it is not like it's not a diatribe against political correctness it is just it's how we as a culture can kind of live in a world where we should be sensitive to people's struggles and to the differences of people around us but how comedy can actually help to alleviate the stress and anxiety that uh our our climate causes and how comedy can be used as a tool to address things that would normally be uncomfortable um so i definitely recommend it i'm about i'm about a little over halfway through it, and I really have enjoyed it so far. You should ch- you should check it out. Available
1: on Audible and iTunes. <laughs>
0: available on Audible and iTunes, and it's very good. I I don't normally like uh, that. That's a fucking lie. I was like, I don't normally <laughs> like to just give shameless plugs, and I was like, oh, I, I do. I give plugs. To, I literally gave one to fucking Yankee Candle like they need me. Uh, Oh, and speaking of Yankee Candle, oh, no. I <laughs> I spent an unforgivable amount of money at Bath and Body Works today <laughs> uh, on their website. I didn't go to the store because they had a, a sale of three wick candles where they're normally like $30 or something like yeah. that. But they were on sale if you used a certain code. You could get them for $11.95. So I bought, like, five three-week candles. I'm like, I don't even have enough surfaces in my apartment to put these on. I can almost
1: see Sarah, like, going to the website as we speak. I
0: think it ended yesterday. <sighs> it <sighs> might not be. You can check it. it uh, and yesterday, when I say yesterday. Actually, this will be posted today. Okay, never mind. Check it out today. Maybe it's still going. But I, I believe that this, the promotion ended yesterday. And you had to use a special coupon it, but it—they told you it on the website, so I guess I can just say it, it was cozy. If you put in cozy uh, in all okay. caps, uh, all of the three-wick candles were eleven ninety-five, and so I bought like sixteen fall-scented candles, and I—I I, I can't remember exactly what I got. I know I got one that was just called leaves. Um, <laughs> I, I can't remember, the, but they were all amazing. There was one that was sold out, and I was devastated it was called uh pumpkin bonfire
1: oh see that sounds lovely
0: right i was like this is exactly the candle i've been waiting my whole <laughs> life for <laughs> you had me at hello um but anyway yeah <laughs> <this> right <is laughs> oh, yeah. we're now almost 10 minutes into the episode we've yeah, well. mentioned uh we are on a, on the last episode of the haunting of hill house and it is very sad we're very uh We're very sad that this little... Both
1: that it's ending and the
0: episode. The episode is really sad. Yeah. But we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll get there. (laughs) I'll let you know how I felt about it. But it, it was a good episode, generally speaking. That said... I have some criticisms, but we'll we'll get into it. She has some notes. <laughs> Shocking! <laughs> I li- right before we started recording, I was looking at my notes and I wrote something that literally I was like, "Oh, ha!" ha. Like I, it made me laugh <laughs> again because I was like, "Oh, I remember this moment and exactly how it made me feel." Um, This is the last episode, like I said, of The Haunting of Hill House. So starting next week, we will actually be doing something entirely different that we'll mention at the end of this episode. So until then, why don't we get right down to it? Indeed. This is episode 10. Uh, I don't remember the title of it. Do you? Uh,
1: Silence lay steadily.
0: Is that a line from the book? Yes, it is. I I had a feeling. I was like, that's very... uh, it felt very literary.
1: 90% of the dialogue in this episode is lifted, like, directly from the book at some point. Is
0: that why it's so fucking weird?
1: Some of it, yes. <laughs> because- Not not all of it, but, like, so something- It's probably not 90%. It's probably closer to, like, forty forty five 45 percent of the dialogue in this episode is lifted directly from, like, Eleanor's interior monologue during the book. <laughs> so, things that you can say in an internal monologue- <laughs> Yeah. Are very different than things that people say out loud to each other. Well, even like,
0: not that, not that I'm ruining anything, because uh, presumably you've all watched the episode. So, like, at the end when when Shirley is talking to Kevin. Yeah. She says the line to him, remember that I love you, my sweet friend. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, who the fuck says this? I was like, when did they move to Downton Abbey? This is ridiculous. <laughs> My dearest, darlingest, mumsy and popsicle. My dear father. Uh, let's jump into it, shall we? Yes, let's let's go. So, my, my first note: we we kind of start off with a flashback to the the kid's childhood, yeah. and we see the kind of spiral staircase, mm-hmm. and Shirley is headed up it to find Nell near the red room, and this is a callback to a scene we've seen in a previous episode where Nell is trying to get into the red room at, and it's kind of the first experience we have with the kids yeah. trying to figure out what that that door is um and my my first note was that the the staircase is taller than i remember
1: yeah no it is weird in the flashbacks it seems like it goes up like in a, a couple extra
0: like flights flights of stairs
1: <laughs> yeah no it's like- i don't know why because in in I think maybe it's just because they're smaller, so it looks bigger.
0: Uh, that's actually a really good point because when the kids go up, it it does seem taller. But when the adults are standing near it, it seems shorter. And I wonder if it was supposed to be kind of a a forced perspective type situation.
1: Maybe I think that there is also like there's definitely a camera angle shift mm. when it's the kids. It's sort of pointing upward, more upward. Yeah. As opposed to dead on, so I think I think there's I think it's kind of a cinematography trick.
0: Yeah, all I I, I was just looking at it and I was like, my God, Nell must have fell fourteen stories. What? How, where does the, who put the staircase in?
1: It actually goes above the roof of the house and continues going. It's, For it's real, like, it's like a fucking like The stalk. staircase isn't tall enough. We need to we need to keep going.
0: So uh, basically, during this this little flashback we find out that Nell and Shirley are trying to get into the red room and they keep you know jiggling on the door handle and uh we see basically the same scene play out again that we had seen in a previous episode and it turns out that it's actually related to when Theo was in her dance studio yeah, and she's dancing to I think it's Janet Jackson, right? Yeah, I think it is Janet, Jan- Jackson. or maybe it's Paula Abdul. I can't remember. I can't remember. It's either, but... some '80s uh, musician, and it struck me as funny because I hadn't thought about it until ju- when I was watching this. I was like, I was like, this seems like an odd choice for Theo to be dancing to like Paula Abdul in a in the dance studio in their attic.
1: Why? Why? Why does that seem like an odd choice to you?
0: She doesn't seem like a like a like a dancer. Yeah,
1: that's fair. Um,
0: (laughs) I don't know. It's. Do you see her as like as like she went to dance class?
1: I mean, I think most little girls at some point go through.
0: You never went to dance class.
1: No, but I'm. I'm me. it's (laughs) i don't know i don't know how to explain it any better than that yeah it's pretty it's pretty much that um and uncoordinated and clumsy so never never really had the grace for the dance girl phase
0: to be fair neither did i i went to fucking school for it (laughs) my ballet teacher used to look at me she i think she had so much pity for me her, her name was Kim Whittem I, and I went to a really, really wonderful school, but I always, she liked me because I made her laugh. Mm-hmm. I always used to tell her that she looked like, um, Mia Farrow from Rosemary's Baby <laughs> because she did. Like if, if I showed you a picture right now, you'd be like, my God, Kim Whittem, you should check on your baby. What happened to its eyes? Uh, <laughs> Yes, so Shirley and Nell are trying to get into Theo's dance studio, not knowing that it is inside the Red Room, but also it is apparent that Theo doesn't know that it is the Red Room.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's kind of implied that Theo doesn't know where she is in the house.
0: Exactly. And she doesn't realize that uh, there's anyone who should be trying to trying to get trying in, to get in yeah. because it there's no reason for the door not to be accessible. Um and we find out later in the episode why, but we'll we'll get to that when we get to it. Um then after that we go ob- obviously that's just the kind of like intro that's the cold open. Yeah. <laughs> and we we go through the opening credits and then we get to Steve as an adult sitting on his couch with <laughs> his pregnant wife. <laughs>
1: Which we know from previous (laughs) shit-stained Steve episodes is an impossibility.
0: I I said (laughs) my note was she was pregnant. That's weird since his balls aren't attached. (laughs) I was like I was like Stephen, some some strange witchery has happened in this house. I don't know what. Yeah, either that
1: or you know she went well. If you won't do it, I'll find
0: somebody who will. And I I thought that I was like I was like did I miss something? Did she cheat on him? Like. (laughs) I, I was like, I've seen this before and I don't remember this being a storyline. I actually did remember the sequence from the first time I watched
1: it. So um,
0: it occurred to me later, wasn't. like, because obviously she, they have the whole conversation where he's writing a sequel to The Haunting of Hill House and he's he has writer's block and they're very happy and they're kind of in this very kind of like honeymoon-esque
1: yeah sort of domestic bliss yeah, sort of thing situation
0: happening. and she's pregnant and everything is kind of strange uh and then uh <laughs> they have the whole conversation where he says some houses are born bad yeah um and i was like i was like clearly ask our father and um <laughs> then the conversation kind of shifts and she starts to kind of take shots at him over
1: Taking shots is is putting it gently. She's just well, ripping it starts him to with, shreds. Yeah, it
0: starts with <laughs> kind of pot shots, and then it's yeah. and then it goes into a more detailed kind of "you're a piece just of shit." Lit, you lit literally
1: <laughs> of what is wrong with Steve.
0: You eat shit, and then you shit it out, and you are shit, and everything <laughs> is shit. Um, and so, obviously, we become. And that was the moment where I was like, "Oh, right, this isn't yeah. real. He's in the red room." Oh yeah. Uh, And it's strange because I don't know why that didn't occur to me, having seen this before, that I just was like, oh, okay, he's married again and everything's fine. And then he's talking, he's like, and Luke is dead. And I was like, Luke is dead. I was like, what did I, did I just like drink and sleep during the last (laughs) viewing of this?
1: Yeah, that was kind of um, the first time I watched it. That was when I clued in that this wasn't accurate. Because he said Luke is dead? Yeah. Because when she says that, and then Luke died, I'm mm. like, we wouldn't skip around that in the narrative.
0: <laughs> I would think like, that, but then there's a part of me that says, well, I could see it being something where they said that, and then we watched the episode and saw how. yeah, Because there is kind of, even with Nell, we are kind of clued into the fact that she is dead. Before we're told. Long before we're yeah. told. Yeah, so... I wouldn't put it past what was it Mike Flanagan? Yeah, Mike Flanagan. I wouldn't put it past Mikey to have have pulled some shenanigans on us like that. But I think in that moment it kind of became because it the, the whole scene has a very ethereal, kind of unnaturally bright light quality about it, that kind of like sunset twilight-esque feel
1: dream sequence. Yeah, and dream sequence lighting. Dream sequence
0: lighting is yeah. exactly what it was. And <laughs> at that point I was like, oh, "Okay, we're we're about to get into some shit." Yeah. And then she disintegrates.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that was that was some creepy imagery. I wasn't really mentally prepared for that this time around.
0: It was a bit strange. I was I was I don't know how I forgot about it.
1: I mean, I think it's interesting that they keep bringing the mold back like hmm. Watching a pregnant woman, like, get covered in black mold and then, like, disintegrate. is <laughs> <laughs> not an image that I, I really knew that I could handle. It's a bit in jarring. In the moment, it's a bit jarring. <laughs> um, and that is mostly what we get in this episode is jarring imagery. And this is kind of the first instance of it.
0: Yeah. Although what's funny is, I don't know why. I don't know if I've just become so desensitized to it. That I didn't find a lot of the imagery in this that shocking. Mm-hmm. Maybe I've just been in quarantine too long, and I've been like <laughs> binging too many horror movies that I was like, nah, "Okay, <laughs> she's covered in mold." It's fine. <laughs> uh, but you know what's funny? It, was, it wasn't until you just mentioned it, and I feel like I'm back in Ms. Gentile's. A P English class, having thought of it. But I was like, Oh, I see the mold is a metaphor for the fact that these people become covered in this house and they take it with them wherever they are and they're kind of infected by it.
1: Yes. (laughs) And somewhere Miss Gentile, who does not listen to this podcast, absolutely just just picked her head up and went.
0: Good. That's that's a
1: good point. Hold on. Someone made a good point. (laughs) I know
0: she was one of my favorite teachers in high school uh and I I still have very fond memories of her but um this would have been a good book to have as a high school reading
1: I I'm always surprised that it doesn't make it if for no other reason than you know like around Halloween everybody is forced to read Frankenstein Mm -hmm. like in junior year of high school yeah like the Haunting of The Haunting of Hill House, like I feel like should be like the senior level version of that. Agreed. And I don't understand why it's
0: not. I I don't know. Maybe if nothing else, they it's... make you
1: read the fucking lottery and it's like <laughs> literally the worst thing Shirley Jackson ever wrote.
0: I like, know, the lottery, <laughs> and it's like literally everyone listening just went, oh, the lottery. <laughs> like, I haven't thought about that in 20 years.
1: Yeah, Shirley Jackson wrote The Lottery, and it's the only thing that most people know that she wrote. But like, And what's
0: funny is I didn't realize she wrote it until I went looking for The Haunting of Hill House on Apple Books. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, other oh, books by Shirley Jackson. And it was like, The Lottery. And I was like, are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but she, uh, yeah, I'm. There's a part of me that wonders if it's because it's technically considered a horror novel and maybe that's too much for or they consider it to be too much for general assigned reading.
1: I think that what it is is that it's not pretentious enough. Um because the the canon of literature that they force you to read in high school
0: I know, A Farewell um, to Arms
1: is like it's all books that prove points about literary analysis. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're good books. Like I'm, I'm being completely <laughs> I know, serious. I know. Like I mean, I did not enjoy Moby Dick. Like I did, I don't
0: think anybody does.
1: I didn't read Great Expectations.
0: I didn't. <laughs> um, I completely
1: skipped Great Expectations. Can
0: I? Can I be brutally honest? I didn't
1: read. Something? I didn't read Huckleberry Finn either.
0: I didn't. Read, I didn't read. Almost any books in high school. <laughs> Which is that <fine. laughs> that were assigned reading. I read my I read books that I chose to read, but this is this is a don't do this. If you're still in school, don't do this. But no, read the books that they tell you to read. Yeah. I was very good at picking up context clues in conversation and kind of putting together some general uh critique of them. Yeah. And so it was like an in-joke between me and my friends. I would sit there. We would have, you remember her class. Mm-hmm. We would have like a roundtable discussion about the read the assigned reading from the past week or whatever. Yeah. And I would sit there and listen to the conversation for five minutes. Mm-hmm. And then I would, and my friends would all stare at me and they're like, when is, when is he going to do it? <laughs> and eventually it would get to a point where I would chime into the conversation and I would basically have picked up on what, the general, yeah, uh, you, uh, and want to message. The out. I picked yeah. the thread out, and I would just like throw it, it into the yeah. middle of the conversation. And Ms. Gentile would always be like, "Ah, yes, like, like I had, like I had done like, this, oh, like amazing Someone work. Someone gets it." And it's like, no, I just, I'm, I'm very good at uh, critical listening. And so <laughs> <laughs> it's like my, it, it is probably the thing I'm the least proud of from my high school. Well. I shouldn't say that. There are a lot of things I'm not proud of, but that was something. It, it was a, a, definitely a, a skill that prepared me to be an actor. I'll say that much. That's
1: completely fair. I um, I was not as good at critical listening. I I, I flunked a couple tests Did in you? high school. Yeah. Um,
0: I didn't do well on the test, but it's because I didn't do the reading. So I didn't have like specific things to...
1: Yeah, no. Once we were talking about like themes and like what... And that kind of stuff, like, I could usually, like, bullshit my way through a conversation. (laughs) Tap
0: dance your way through Yeah.
1: (laughs) But, yeah, no, you give me that reading comprehension test and I'm sitting here going, like, I did not fucking crack this book even once. Not even. Like, I took one look at this, said, oh, it's Charles Dickens,
0: and threw it in the corner of my room. (laughs) J.D. Salinger, no, thank you. (laughs) I actually
1: did read Catcher in the Rye.
0: And what did you think? I hated it. (laughs) I absolutely hated it. I will say, I don't know what it is about... J.D. Salinger's writing that, like many young women I have spoken to about mm-hmm. it, it does not appeal to them at all. But for many young men, myself included—not that I am implying that I'm a, a, a man—but <laughs> uh, <laughs> for many young men, it resonates a lot. And I'm I'm not sure what uh, I'm not sure what that speaks to because his writing is. What it is. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I don't think I would have the same feeling if I read it today. But there's something about reading Catcher in the Rye as like a 15 year old. Yeah. Has a very uh, profound effect. I think I think it has to do with the themes of like searching for a masculine uh kind of, almost like a father figure or searching mm-hmm. for a th- this has i don't know how we it got is, into this conversation uh but so, somewhere miss <laughs> gentile going goo
1: <laughs> yes, and like tenting her fingers together like mr burns i know
0: stroking a man's cat <laughs> um all of this is to say that yeah. uh he is in the red room and yes <laughs> and steven is in the red room and we find that out when his wife disintegrates and he is kind of there. He wakes up. He is kind of pulled from the red room by Nell. Her her spirit appears to him in this kind of vision, ethereal nightmare dream, and
1: <laughs> hippie Nell, not bent neck lady Nell.
0: Yeah, hippie Nell pops up in yeah. her in her Victorian nightgown, and she pokes him in the head, and he wakes up, and he finds Luke on the floor, uh, apparently not alive. Yeah. And then we kind of go to an. I guess at this point it's kind of a flashback. It's like 20 minutes ago. But yeah. uh, we see uh, Stephen and Hugh coming into Hill House and kind of looking for Luke and what they experience when they get in. And pretty much immediately from the moment they walk in, <laughs> there are just ghosts everywhere. <laughs>
1: Specifically we got the tall man
0: back. Um, the, I called her I called him the bowler man. <laughs> I was like the bowler man's back, <laughs> the man in the bowler hat. <laughs> well, what's funny is the first time uh we see the the man in the bowler hat, I my only note was it was a Sigourney Weaver line. I was like this, and this is what made me laugh when I was looking at it before. I, if it had been me, it would have been very much like Sigourney Weaver from Galaxy Quest when she's like, <laughs> "Fuck this." <laughs> I was like, absolutely not. You would not catch my gay ass three more (laughs) feet in that house. He he would have turned around to be like, pissy, can we? Pissy? (laughs) Where did you go? The door is like swinging open. (laughs) There's just a pissy shaped hole in the wall where I ran out to the car. Um, Yeah, I do not like the bowler man.
1: Yeah, the bowler man can go suck a dick. It's like he just he he walks. He kind of floats weird. Like he doesn't yeah. walk really, but he's still tapping the cane. The cane. He's
0: like dragging himself with the <laughs> yeah, cane. Yeah, he's like he's it's like a fucking bizarre.
1: gondolier in Venice. He's just like <laughs> pushing himself around this house. I know. <laughs> it's
0: like the hunchback of Notre Dame. But the then, mouse.
1: but then, like Hugh looks at Stephen and goes, "Look at me." look at me and and like steve's staring at him while like buller hat guy like leans down and gets like uncomfortably close i know to he like, face.
0: pulls a joe biden he's like yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> are we still allowed to make that joke now that oh
0: please i'm i'm voting blue i'm just kidding I, i'm waiting for the outpour of e- sevens of emails to you <laughs> for making that joke um Yes, it was It was a very uncomfortable moment. And it's actually, as far as I can remember, the first time you really get a really good look at his face.
1: Yeah, and it is not a pleasant face.
0: <laughs> and the ghost didn't look good either. Um, <laughs> poor Steve. Poor Steve. <laughs> no, it is the first time you get to see the bowler hat man and he leans in uncomfortably close like like he's whispering mother what should I say in my state of the union address <laughs> and uh, that's not Joe Biden that's Mike that's Pence for those of you who didn't know yes. that he called his wife mother um, <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of gives this this uh, uncomfortable grin and then yeah. like backs up and walks away yeah. and, and then they're like okay we can go now <laughs> Steve's like, we go now, we go now. And this
1: is after we see creepy little ghost girl Abigail on the stairs. Abigail, like...
0: my God. She was creepy before she died. Yeah. And it's was... like, God, it never got better for her.
1: <laughs> it really, really <laughs> did. <laughs> it's really terrible. It's, it's. You can only do so much when you have the creepy blonde haircut
0: and sunken and eyes. Sunk... <laughs> God, she looks like. I just remembered something what oh someone told me something yesterday that was very bizarre i
1: okay. was working
0: at a, a a club that i work at often club feathers up up mm-hmm. in, in new i don't know why i just had a sweater, in new jersey and one of the employees there bruce told me that the abigail doll like the real one the annabelle in connecticut Dull. what did i say the annabelle doll you yes. said abigail Annab. Uh, yeah annabelle doll yeah apparently escaped
1: Sarah's making the no, didn't sign. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had also heard that over the internet several times in kind of a, in case 2020 couldn't get any worse, Annabelle will <laughs> escape. Um, no, apparently she is safe and sound in the Warrens Paranormal Museum and hasn't gone anywhere.
0: Oh, good. Because I was like, "How would we ever recognize her amongst the rest of Connecticut?" <laughs> I was like, we, "There's no determining who is who." Um, I think a lot of that came from
1: um, Blumhouse or Lionsgate, whoever whoever does the the Annabelle movies, um, put out a Twitter and a sh- and a short movie about what Annabelle was doing in quarantine. <laughs> And they and they used the 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 movie version of the Annabelle doll, but like it involved her like going to the beach and like. Oh, I see. In a bikini and, like, like stupid shit like that.
0: Oh, that's much so, less exciting. So, so, I was yeah, really no, hoping that Annabelle disappeared.
1: No, Annabelle is still still in her little
0: glass case. But I will tell you, there's some creepy shit happening at the Paranormal Museum right now. Uh, in Asbury Park. In Asbury ding. Park. Ding. Kathy Kelly. Yeah. Uh, involving a doll. And you should all check in on their Facebook. Because Ka- Kathy is uh, documenting it. And I am fucking riveted. So... <laughs>
1: But anyway, haunting of Hill House.
0: But anyway, then we cut to Luke. Then we get to have Luke's fever dream in the in the Red Room, mm-hmm. and basically, it's it's kind of the same thing. We we it becomes apparent that the Red Room is playing on everyone's worst fears, and it cuts back to when I, I forget her name, Joey or Joe.
1: Yeah, Joey.
0: Joey. You're um, right. When Luke goes chasing her after she leaves the rehab, and he has this kind of hallucination that she got a hotel room for them and that they're going to be safe and yada yada yada, and she basically convinces him to do drugs again, which in reality translates to him injecting rat poison. Uh, somehow, but uh, that was kind of unclear to me. If I'm well, being she
1: the thing is, she doesn't convince him to do it. Like he's still saying no, and then yeah. she kind of says, "Well, you already did," mm. and he turns and there's a needle in his arm Mm. and it was rat poison. Yes. But I think we're supposed to assume that the house did that, which is in real life because he's basically unconscious.
0: Yeah. It's a very strange moment um, because he has been attacked by uh, who we now know is Poppy. Yeah. Um, And I guess she gave him rat poison and he's laying on the floor, uh, not having a great day. No. So, then something happened that was also kind of confusing to me because I don't remember this reference. I don't remember Luke ever saying this. He, Joey says something about the – she's like, oh, you can be here with the little blonde girl. And he's like, who? And she's like, Abigail, the girl with the runny eyes. And then her – or oh, runny yeah. egg eyes.
1: No, that's from um, – in Luke's episode when they're in the group therapy session, the one guy is talking about how when he was in Iraq, he – saw a girl that died in a fire it was it was a really long speech that he did and it was very vivid but that's what she's talking about
0: oh that's weird it's a callback to that it it was kind of an ineffective callback for me just because i did not remember that moment it did not uh it didn't register for me but then we kind of uh we kind of get to move on a little bit, and obviously now we know that Shirley and Theo, Theo are also in the red room. And I, it, I forgot how long it took to find out about Shirley's transgression.
1: Yeah, about her 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 little one night
0: stand. Her little yeah. one night stand.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I honestly, my sweet friend. Yeah, I, I thought we found out earlier in the season. I thought we bit, did too. I thought, yeah, like no, they saved ago. it for the last episode. Yeah, and like. First of all, apart from the obvious, like, well, don't we feel like an asshole, Cheryl? <laughs> that I feel. Um, well, well, and that's what's
0: funny about this. it because the guy is like, oh, uh, that's not what you said. And she's like, what? He's like, no, you came upstairs and fucked me with a martini. And she's like, what? And he's like, and you're terrible. Don't you feel bad for chastising Theo and Kevin? And she's and like, <laughs> ah! and Nell shows up and she wakes up. Yeah. Um. But it, It kind of goes without saying that we were all like, hello, (laughs) like, what world were you living in, Cheryl?
1: Yeah, like, seriously, it's a little bit like, oh, snap
0: out of it. Cheryl has finally,
1: (laughs) Cheryl has finally been brought up. She has been given her comeuppance and and I'm actually kind of happy about it. (laughs) Um, Watching Shirley do the, the walk through the funeral home was actually, I felt more effective than the whole bit with her and the guy in the bar like i didn't care that much about the guy in the bar apart mm. from the haha
0: yeah that i felt the one thing i will say that was uh disturbing about the part with the guy in the bar mm-hmm. is that she says to the bar after he sends her the drink she says like oh what's the thing no one ever orders the weirdest thing on the menu yeah. and he's like the the like the jerk caribbean wings. jerk yeah. chicken wings i was like who doesn't eat jerk chicken like <laughs> weird if he was like he was like oh nobody eats the octopus i'd be like oh okay yeah. <laughs> but like we're supposed to believe that no one eats the jerk chicken like wings? well
1: nobody eats oysters because this is like a divy motel in the middle of it
0: yeah. if he was like no one gets the snapper and she's like why he's like we caught it three years ago <laughs> uh yeah that was disturbing i was like who the fuck doesn't get the jerk chicken wings that would be like the first thing i ordered on that fucking menu
1: must have been a pretty baller menu. <laughs> uh,
0: yes, so Cheryl obviously has her her moment, and she comes too. And then Stephen and Shirley are trying to revive Luke, and that's all kind of disturbing and fucked up. And then we get to Theo.
1: <laughs> Poor Theo. <laughs>
0: Poor Theo. Um, Theo definitely, I think, in my opinion, has the most disturbing fever dream. Because of of all the hands, like the hands are weird to me.
1: Yeah, no, she gets grabbed by like a dozen different weird ghost hands. Yeah.
0: Um, Which is
1: bringing us back to that whose hand was I holding moment.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of, I I think obviously, like you said, it is a direct callback to that. Yeah. And it all in general kind of calls back to the fact that Theo has this weird sense of touch that is somehow clairvoyant or... Uh, psychic Psychic in in some way, yeah. Yeah. So, Theo gives this strange speech that I I felt kind of came out of nowhere. (laughs) But she starts talking about her mom and how the only time her mom ever spanked her was when she threw a rock through the ceiling of the greenhouse. And she was like, it only ever happened once and my mom felt very guilty about it. Uh, and she was like, it was because she was going to show it to someone. And I, I had just broken the window and blah, 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 blah. And she's like, and then after my mom walked away, I did it again. <laughs> and I was like, if I was Olivia, I would have felt no remorse about yeah, beating seriously. the shit out of Theo. <laughs> I'd have been like, what the fuck did I just tell you? <laughs> Once it's an accident, twice you're just being an asshole, Theo. <laughs> Th- Jesus.
1: No, but watching Trish give her that like, is that her year, name? Yeah, her name is Trish. Trish, we've been over this.
0: I don't remember.
1: Okay, well, her girlfriend's name. That is, is
0: Trish. a good lesbian name. Yes, we know is. a lot of lesbian names. <laughs> At least two.
1: Now I'm counting. Hold on.
0: <laughs> Carry the four. Carry the one and uh, forty-two. I think yeah. I know four. Four lesbian Trish. I think I know
1: four lesbians named some form of Patricia.
0: And a partridge in a pear tree. Yes. <laughs> it all comes back to Christmas. Uh, <laughs> yes. We have, oh, Trish. You were saying, yeah. yeah, Trish.
1: No, but Trish is like on top of her and like talking about fear and guilt and like it's really creepy. And it's actually really smart because like the way they lit her and the way she's kind of mostly in shadow, mm-hmm. you're expecting the scare to come from Trish. Yes. Like so, you're you're kind of looking away every time they pan to Trish because you're like, okay, this is gonna be terrible, and then and <laughs> whatever then, it is is
0: right behind her, and then
1: the scare comes from a completely different direction. Yeah. So kudos to Mike Flanagan on that one. That
0: was a good yeah, call. that was a smart scare. I will say, <clears throat> excuse me, if I had been Trish, like even Dream Trish, like I know, like I'm not even real Trish. If I am Dream Trish, if I had just had a one night stand with someone and then they rolled over and put on black vinyl gloves. <laughs> I would not have been sticking around to see where this story <laughs> was going. <laughs> I'd have been like, see you next time. <laughs> Run for the car. Well, that was fun. See you later. <laughs> Yeah. Like, who the fuck is? Uh, like, sh- <laughs> serial killer boy. And you know what? Theodora <laughs> is even more insensitive because that is a very uncomfortable situation to put someone in. Because Trish is like, what's with those? Ha ha ha. Uh, <laughs> what's under your pillow? <laughs> is this a knife? Um, what's that for? Yeah. It's like, who has a one night stand and then rolls over and puts on gloves? Theodore Crane. Ch- crazy. She's insane. <laughs> she is bizarre. So um,
1: she's insane hot. That's what she is.
0: <laughs> you could I'm sorry. You wouldn't even think about it. You'd be like, yeah,
1: gloves. Great. I'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'm sorry. I'm still looking at you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um yes so then she gets attacked by hands and nell pulls her out and they're back in the red room and they're trying to save luke <clears throat> who is essentially dead
1: yeah he's frothing at the mouth and there's like blood
0: yes very it's, joffrey
1: yes it's it's very purple wedding <laughs> except um, this is a lot less fun
0: yeah this is a lot less fun because it was fun when joffrey did it uh so then we kind of have this death sequence for Luke where he is kind of in some kind of afterlife or next to life or with life or. Yeah,
1: we kind of see what happens to people when they die in the house. In the
0: house, yes. And Olivia is back in the red room, but it's all kind of white paneled and yeah. bright. And Nell is there as a child, as is Abigail as a child. And. Olivia is kind of telling him, oh, you've finally woken up. It's time to come over. You have to stay here. ba bah, bah, bah. bah. Yeah. And Nell is like, no, don't fucking do it. And, <laughs> and Olivia's like, shut up, merch." And then they kind of have this back and forth where Nell is like, no, don't stay. Don't stay. You have to go. And Olivia's like, no, you have to stay. And she offers him the bowler hat. And yeah. uh, then the bowler hat guy is like, no, oh, that's my hat. <laughs> and, and Luke eventually does not stay. Yeah. He goes back to his body which and I was like who the fuck wakes up from rat poison? But
1: I guess he didn't ha- take it off. I don't know. <laughs> oh god, what did I do? He injected rat poison directly into his veins, but you
0: know, it's not... <laughs> Steve's there sucking it out of his arm. Um <laughs> yes, yeah, so Luke comes back and eventually we get to Hugh. Yeah. And Hugh is kind of going through this Bizarre moment outside where he can't get into the room. Steven, of course, ran in there to save Luke. And now Hugh is locked out and he was taken over by the mold. Yes. And when he finally wakes up, he takes a pill, to, I guess, to calm his... I don't know what these pills are. Antipsychotics? Um. He
1: says they're for his heart, so it's probably an antihypertension oh. drug. But, uh,
0: okay. <laughs> I was like, do people just take that when they're having like... No. And an exasperated episode <laughs> no
1: it's really just to establish that Hugh has a bad heart
0: i see okay well however For unbelievable reasons. this moment is uh he he i don't know if he drops the bottle or he throws it to the floor but yeah. he um he throws it on the floor and it is at poppy's feet <laughs>
1: yes and we're all so happy to see poppy again because her. this bitch <laughs> This fucking flapper gun mall bitch. Is she's just
0: uh, she's just a big old bag of snakes. This lady. She is just a, a crazy, crazy person. Um, yes, and she kind of has this moment where she tells this bizarre kind of nursery rhyme about yeah. this guy who's killing his family. Yeah. And it's fucked up. she gets closer and closer until eventually Olivia's like, uh, step off, queen. Yeah. And so get away from my man. <laughs> And so Olivia, Olivia. yeah, a ghost Olivia is like not on this day. And (laughs) so Poppy leaves. But before she does, uh, David and I had a very extensive conversation about this moment because it was a bit. It's unclear exactly what was trying to be communicated here, at Mm -hmm. least to me, because Poppy says to her basically like, oh, I'm sure you'll forgive uh, he, he's he's so cute or something yeah i'm sure you'll forgive uh, a woman for feeling lonely but just but isn't it terrible that the the marriage bed always goes cold or so, it's, yeah, something it's something along like those that. lines it's that's not an exact it's a paraphrase yeah but she says something along those lines and um basically uh walks away and then olivia and hugh have, have this moment but Something very strange happens. They're kind of having this moment where Hugh is like, I know you can open the door, open the door for me. And she's like, no, the kids are finally safe. They're back in the house. They have to stay. And they go back and forth about how they're going to resolve this little issue. And Of
1: Olivia wanting to kill her children.
0: Yeah, (laughs) but she thinks she's saving them and, and she's begging him not to take the kids away. Again. Again. And we have this moment where Hugh basically says to her, look, if you let the kids go, I'll stay, and yeah. uh, and we we can be together forever. And so, the door finally opens.
1: <laughs> Phantom of the Opera starts playing. Sorry.
0: Basically, yeah. Um, oh, we skipped Nell. <laughs> we skipped Nell. We did skip Nell.
1: Nell's little monologue.
0: Before the door opens, Nell uh, appears to everyone in the room, even uh, especially Luke, yeah. uh, who is the first to see her. And she has this kind of moment where she explains that time is not linear. It is. It is, she describes it as like rain or snow or confetti. Yes. Uh, and it's actually
1: a rather beautiful speech, but again, probably not something that a character would say out loud, probably something that would be in an internal monologue.
0: Exactly. And it is surprisingly sweet. And um, I actually, I think a lot of the success of this scene should be attributed to the actress who plays Nell because she does it very well. Yeah, no,
1: Victoria Pedretti does a very good job with it. She
0: does a very good job in this scene, especially the moment where she says to Luke, uh, when he's like, when she's like, you have to you have to live. And he's like, I don't know how to live in a world without you. Mm-hmm. And she's like, uh, I forget exactly what the phrasing is, but she says essentially, I was never... I was never not there like I if you just keep going I'll be raining around you um and that was that was a fun little metaphor and it's a little more believable because it's this kind of we're supposed to believe that she is some kind of like enlightened ghost
1: yeah she she learns the secrets of life the universe and everything the second she dies
0: (laughs) yeah essentially (laughs) um and I I actually really liked that monologue I was surprised by how much I liked it
1: I have mixed feelings about it because, again, it just feels a little too neat to have her yeah. just kind of lay that out, especially because she explains what the Red Room is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. Kind of over and over <coughs> again on a loop for a second until someone, like, talks to her directly and then she starts in, with this monologue. Mm-hmm. But, um, <clears throat> you know, and it was the O's Dance Studio and it was a treehouse and it was this and it was that. And, like, it's it's one of those things where... I feel like it's a little heavy handed because I feel like the audience has figured this out already. But yeah. um, I understand why they did it, because there's always a small section of the people watching who don't get that.
0: And that's fine. I, Which is fine. Uh, yeah, it's not it's not the end of the world, because I think on my first watch, I probably didn't pick up on it as much either. But I I I agree with you. I think it is a bit heavy handed. Um but i think they could have gotten the same point across by perhaps maybe driving it home a little less hard like something with nell saying to theo uh, well theo where was your dance, dance studio? studio yeah uh L- luke where was your treehouse yeah steven where was your your video game room and it's like oh we suddenly can't remember, remember. Uh, And the answer is that it was the Red Room. And I think that that could have been a much more delicate scene. And and this is kind of my issue with Mike Flanagan. He is a very talented director. And obviously the story is reasonably well-crafted. But sometimes his writing just lacks finesse, I think. Okay. At least that's my personal criticism of it.
1: No, that's fair. I think that sometimes... I think that there are some points that get hammered over the head and that mm-hmm. there are some points that get kind of underplayed and are very interesting points. Agreed. Like, for example, the fact that Hugh never had a red room, he's the only person in the family who didn't have one.
0: Yeah. And we're just like, and we're kind of meant to not address that <laughs> at all.
1: And it's like, well, why didn't he have one? Yeah. Like there are, there are a lot of interesting questions that this raises that, never get addressed because it's the last Mm. episode and like I don't care about Shirley's affair
0: like we could have we could have
1: spent 10 minutes less on that (laughs) yeah again it's kind of like it. you
0: really could have done just the bit in the funeral home and it would have been fine agreed and I think it calls back to a point you made before in in a previous episode the whole love affair issue thing is so unnecessary. Like, whether Shirley did it, whether it was the thing between Kevin and Theo, it's like, it doesn't really add anything to the story other than the fact that Shirley has to ask for forgiveness afterwards. That she yeah. is supposed to be enlightened somehow by this experience. And I think, again, this is a moment where we're being beat over the head with a point, And it's like, we could easily have figured out that the way Shirley comes away from this is that she is enlightened to the fact that she does not always have to be in control of her life that she can depend on others to kind of fill in the gaps when she makes a mistake
1: and that her being angry doesn't actually like anger does not substitute for other emotions
0: exactly and and that i think would be the takeaway even without any of the affair nonsense i think even just the whole situation with the money, her being too proud to take the money from Steven yeah. in the first place and not forgiving Theo for having taken it or Kevin for having taken yeah. it. That was enough without all of these other kind of weird, senseless plot points.
1: Yeah, no, it feels like, and this was actually something that I noticed on second watch of this episode. Like Theo and Shirley don't have a lot to do in this episode. Like not They're just all. kind of there. Yeah. So it's like... Theo
0: doesn't even really get...
1: Yeah, Theo's on screen for like, I think, five minutes. (laughs)
0: But but even beyond that, she doesn't really have much of a catharsis.
1: No, she really doesn't. Like, we see it afterward because she's trusting Trish and they're moving in together because Mm -hmm. they're lesbians and they're... they're (laughs) filling up a moving truck and they fucked once this is like they had sex like one time they're filling up the moving truck we get it Mike exactly Flanagan.
0: this is our new cat and she Jingles. and
1: she throws away the gloves which doesn't make sense to me because she can she still has these like weird psychic powers i know so like you still need those sweetie i
0: think but <laughs> i think as far as that goes we were supposed to believe that she was kind of embracing this thing about her that formerly scared, scared her. her yeah um that said I mean, I guess it depends on how far you believe in these things in in actuality. But, like, I know people in my real life who claim to have psychic abilities as well. And it's like, well, you you can't just kind of turn it on and off. It happens whether... You either haven't or you don't. Yeah. If if you believe in that sort of thing, it happens whether or not you want it to. Um, And so... I I don't know the whole the whole taking off the gloves thing again was like eh, okay whatever didn't really do it for you do it for me but then obviously the door opens and we get Luke out of the house and the girls take Luke away to the hospital Saint Barnabas I think they Uh, said Sacred Heart I think it's Sacred Sacred Heart Sacred Heart Heart. Um, and Hugh is like uh, this is nothing cryptic you take him I have to talk to Stephen in the house yeah (laughs) yeah
1: There's absolutely nothing wrong. Keep going.
0: (laughs) And we find out, of course, that um, basically Hugh is dead. Yeah. And has been for at least a little while. Yeah. He killed himself to stay with Olivia and that was how they got the door open. And we also find out kind of the backstory of what happened when Hugh went back to the house the night that Olivia died. Yeah. And it's essentially that he went back to the house, found Olivia, and the Dudleys came looking for their daughter who had left her room in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, and
1: you remember that little kid that you left dying of rat poison? On the floor <laughs> right you remember her?
0: <laughs> and the, and he was like, bad news, kids. Take yeah. a look in the take a look, look in, in this room. room. Yeah, uh, and they find Abigail and are devastated. And then Abigail appears and she's like, guess what? I'm a ghost. And they're like, oh, we have to stay with her. And this is where, for me, this episode really took a turn that I did not appreciate. A, a lot of the other stuff was very forgivable, but mm-hmm. this this part of the story kind of, it kind of fucked with me a little bit. And I don't mean that in a in a, wow, this was so effective, it fucked with me. It was like, it kind of threw a wrench in my interpretation of the story. Okay. And that is to say that essentially what happens is the Dudleys beg Hugh to leave the house standing because he says he's going to destroy it. And they beg yeah. him to leave it standing. And if he does, then they won't tell anyone about Olivia and ruin her image for everyone. They won't
1: tell anyone that Olivia murdered, murdered their, their daughter.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, Because they they say this is the only place Abigail exists. So if you leave it standing so we can be with her, we won't tell anyone what happened. Um. And that kind of turns into the whole story of, like, why this house is left to exist. And we find out that when Mrs. Dudley dies, her husband carries her to the house so that she will exist there forever with their their children. And I guess it's supposed to be presumed that at some point Mr. Dudley will also succumb to the house and live there forever. But it's all kind of presented in this very strange way. And Hugh... Goes to be with Olivia and Nell, and yeah. obviously all of that happens. It kind of feels a bit like a strange little bow on things. It's it's casting this kind of ray of positivity on what was otherwise believed to have been a pretty morbid situation. I always viewed a this pretty. house. Terrible situation. Yeah, I always viewed this house as more of a prison than than anything else. And this show, for in a lot of ways, to me, at least in my interpretation of it, was meant to be kind of a criticism of our of humanity's inability to cope with grief. Yeah, and having many of these characters finish the series addressing grief in a very unhealthy way seemed odd to me.
1: Yeah, no, it it's it's a weird twist on it definitely. Mm-hmm. Um I remember thinking like one of the biggest takeaways I have from this episode is oh my god how sad olivia has been here and insane this entire time.
0: Exactly. Like she yeah. she
1: never it's not like she reverted back to her normal self. Mm-hmm. Like she's insane.
0: Yeah. and poppy and also poppy is like clearly that way
1: as well is completely gone so like you have and you know poor nell is the bent neck lady (laughs) forever now forever yeah and like all of a sudden this episode when we see nell she's not the bent neck lady she's she's Mm -hmm. nell normally yeah and it's like, well, why would that change? It's kind of like we're looking away at the last second, like we're we're kind mm-hmm. of like we're heading towards something ugly here, but we don't want it to be ugly, so we're gonna we're gonna make it look a little nicer,
0: yeah, we're gonna put a little glitter on this pimple,
1: yeah we're gonna we're gonna make it look like hugh is is being reunited with his family, one of whom is going to be insane for eternity, and one of whom is trapped in this house because her mother killed her, mhm like. This is a pretty grisly thing to go, oh, hey, look, it's a happy ending. It's not a happy
0: ending. I know. (laughs) It has this very bizarre feeling of it's a happy ending. And I understand that maybe that wasn't Mike Flanagan's intention, that the intention was more to say, look what Hugh, Hugh continued to give so much of himself to give his children a better life. But it kind of wraps up Hugh's story in a very strange way yeah you know and hugh deserved better frankly hugh did deserve better and i think that um i i don't know it's hard to find the way to cope with the ending of this show because it's like well is are we supposed to believe that the saving grace for hugh is that uh he he at least has nell who is not his crazy wife for eternity um it's all very strange it's it's kind of hard to figure out exactly what the intended goal was
1: yeah no it it took this this really sad thing and (laughs) tried to make it kind of happy and it's like yeah i don't think that really works
0: yeah I hope that this episode has been like, so depressing. <laughs> it's like, well, everyone is miserable for eternity. Like even, <laughs> like, even
1: the bit with Mrs. Dudley when she's reunited with her daughter and, and she has her her baby that mm-hmm. they lost, like, and it's clearly very happy. Yeah. I'm sitting here going, like, bitch, you're about to spend the rest of eternity wandering around this house with your daughter who will never age, who will never get any older. It doesn't change the fact that she was murdered. Mm-hmm. Like, and this baby who is never going to be anything other than an infant.
0: An infant. Like, yeah.
1: The, the, the tragedy of their lost lives is not lessened by you being with them in the afterlife. In
0: the afterlife. And like, <laughs> that was my criticism. It's like, well, because what, what I was saying to David is like, that seems darker than anything. Because it's like, the the real tragedy is that even if Olivia wasn't crazy, to be trapped in her, in that house with her... For eternity, it's like you have nothing to look forward to. You have nothing. Your life is never going to change. You're not going to accomplish anything. You're never going to have. uh, Your your life will. It's like continuing to live after your life has. Has ended. Ended. Because your life is over. Yeah. You're not going to. You won't have goals. You won't have. It just. Aspirations. It
1: seems odd to me. That in this last episode, we see two two characters separately and independently of each other choose to be in the house. Mm-hmm. And I think we're supposed to feel pretty good about those choices because they were choices. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it, it doesn't make it like Nell didn't have a choice. Yeah. Abigail doesn't have a choice. Like this baby that Mrs. Dudley has doesn't doesn't have a choice. Mhm. S- and it just even makes Olivia it, even didn't Olivia have didn't a really have a choice. Yeah. So it's like does that make you feel better about their story and the answer is no. <laughs> no, the
0: answer is absolutely not. Like,
1: the answer is no. This is still a horror show. This yeah. is still an absolute horror show no matter how much you're trying to wrap it up in a nice pretty ribbon.
0: Yeah. This is still fucking terrible.
1: <laughs> and i I don't know it's it's one of those things that this this episode was really light on scares. it was really heavy on emotion, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure that the emotion that we're left with is necessarily the right one
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's kind of that that was a like my biggest criticism it, i for me it was exemplified the most by the Dudleys because it was like. You had this very weird moment where Mrs. Dudley, it's like you're supposed to feel good for her, but anyone who is looking at this objectively can sit there and say, Well, the internal monologue of Mr. Dudley is here, you're trapped in this house for eternity, just like you always wanted. Like, yeah. what? Do you think you'll feel that way in 10 years? Do you think you'll feel that way in 20 years? Do you think you'll feel that way in 100 years? Yeah, like
1: you don't even get the comfort of believing that they went to a better place. Like you know exactly where she is and it's a total hellhole.
0: Exactly. And it's never going to get better.
1: No. It will probably only get worse.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because we're still meant to believe that this house... Is a succubus. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. this house is intended not to be a pleasant place. It is intended to feed on the misery of other people.
1: And it does it very effectively.
0: <laughs> it knows what it's doing. Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> My goodness. Well, that's the haunting of Hill House. Yeah. We finished up. We did it. We made it to the end. Are you a little sad that we're done?
1: I am a little sad that we're done. If nothing else, like, I really, like, as much as we've been critiquing it for the last couple minutes, I really did enjoy this show, even I in did the second too. watch, like, yeah. and I, I really love it as sort of a family drama. It leaves sometimes a little bit to be desired in the writing, but mm-hmm. like, o- overall, it's usually, it it's almost always satisfying.
0: Yeah, it is it is almost always satisfying. Although I mean I I've, I've been very open about my criticisms of it since the beginning. I think that there are certainly things that could be improved upon. That said, it's an enjoyable watch. Uh I would recommend it to anyone, especially if you're a horror fan. It's yeah. a great horror series because there are not a lot of horror series that I can think of off the top of my head that are made specifically for TV or streaming that I would be like, oh, that is an effective horror series.
1: Yeah, and um, the sequel to this is coming out sometime this year, I would assume probably in the October range, we're getting The Haunting of Bly Manor.
0: My goodness. Um, so. Hopefully we'll get... <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe we'll only have to do a couple weeks of something else. <laughs> And speaking of, uh, I guess this is as good a time as ever to yeah. say that we are now officially done with The Haunting of Hill House. So we're going to have to change the direction of our minisodes. We are going to uh, switch it up and go yeah. to a different series. Also on Netflix. Also on Netflix. Also an original Netflix production. We are going to be moving on starting next week in the uh, fourth week of Halloween <laughs> of 13. Yes. Yeah. We are going to be starting a a watch of Unsolved Mysteries, which I'm very excited about. Have you watched any of it yet? Um,
1: I've watched the first two episodes. I'll obviously be watching them again.
0: I'm not going to lie. I watched the whole thing, but I'm happy I get to do it (laughs) again. (laughs) I'm doing, apparently, this, uh, our mini are just going to consist of me rewatching things I've already watched a thousand <laughs> times. But I'm fine with it because it is a very good series. And I mean, uh, how
1: is that different from the main episodes, really? Like, how many times have we seen Scream before? We I
0: know. <laughs> My goodness. So that's it. That's it for the Haunting of Hill House Kids. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, happy third week of the 13 weeks, 13 weeks, of, weeks Halloween. of Halloween we have more coming up for you on Thursday we have a brand new episode and we'll be back next week with the beginning of unsolved mysteries here on the mini mini microsodes so until next time stay spoopy and remember
1: I feel like I've been here before we have all of us have so many times and we didn't know it all of us. <sighs> I feel a bit clearer now. Everything's been out of order. Time, I mean. I thought for so long that time was like a line, that that our moments were laid out like dominoes and that they fell one into another and, and on it went, just days tipping one into the next, into the next, in a long line between the beginning and the end. But I was wrong. It's not like that at all. Our moments fall around us like rain, (laughs) or snow,
0: or confetti. My Spooky Gay Family features music by Nate Walker, artwork by David Alon, and this episode contains clips from The Haunting of Hill House, distributed by Netflix 2018. Please subscribe on iTunes, leave us a nice message, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Jewel Productions. Barbara